here it goes. Mm. Wow, and that's a big crunch. And did you guys make these um, pita chips? I made them. They're extra crispy. They're a new pita brand, mm-hmm. and they're covered in zatar. This is incredible. Okay, so the dip. I'm going to take a bite. This tastes like a restaurant dip. Wow, that means so much. I present you an Armenian dip. Um, this dip is called ikra, and it's wow. also known as poor man's caviar or eggplant caviar. It's an eggplant and tomato. Who knows it as poor man's caviar? A lot, a lot of people. It's like very popular in Armenia and Russia. I'm Armenian, so. He is. Um, it's true. It's how I grew up with it i just knew it as kind of um one of the many dips you may find on a meza which is like uh mm-hmm. you know we should really talk about mezzas and maybe on another episode we can do a full feels or like we can a talk about to our last episode yeah that's a very yeah. greek thing yeah well it's uh, you know it's, it's dip culture you know you can have a dip culture uh-huh. Eric, you know the i feel like the time is now like tell us what you think about mezza or what it is mezza yeah yeah mezzas are i famously said i don't care what you have to say about israel i love the mezza plate yeah you always mentioned israel <laughs> well israel's a you know fetas hummus it is a big dip country. yeah it's a very big dip country we won't say anything else about it not this episode maybe another one yes um but as an armenian um Fellow Armenians include Kim Kardashian and poker player Dan Bilzerian. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, you know, you go to holidays, you go to birthdays, you're bringing Armenian string cheese, you're bringing dolmas and yalan cheese, which are um, grape leaves, and you're bringing a bunch of dips. I've got to stop you there. Three words, Armenian string cheese. Mm-hmm. Yes. Explain. Speak on that. All right. Armenian string cheese is a type of string cheese. I assume it's like sheep. That's my guess. But they, it comes apart like string cheese. I think it's like a mozzarella, like a sheep's milk mozzarella that is woven almost like a hala, where they mm. create like this woven rope. I've seen this. And it's delicious. It is so good, and it it's so stringy, and it's so delicious. So if you're at an Armenian party, you will find a very extensive mezza plate before, like, kebab and, every, and pilaf is served. Um, you will find Armenian string cheese. You'll find pita. You'll find... Ikra. Uh, ikra, exactly. You'll find hummus. You'll find a bunch of other dips. Um, I've always liked how he says hummus. Yeah, me too. I love how he says hummus. And I also like the concept of poor man's caviar because I feel like there's other kinds of foods that are like that too. Interesting. I've heard of it. Um, I don't know if I've heard. I've heard of cowboy caviar, which is like beans. Yeah. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Are cowboys poor? Yeah. Unless they're like the best cowboys you know unless they got like so many cattle or yeah something shootouts and stuff um all right armenian igra your parties guys mm-hmm. school me on dan bilzerian <laughs> yeah. all right. because i remember when i was young like probably a senior in high school 
discovering him on Instagram and being shocked that people live their lives like this. But maybe it's from I'm because I'm from Long Island and I don't know the West Coast ways. Maybe I wasn't exposed to the poker lifestyle. I was. I remember that was one of my first jarring like iPhone internet experiences. Definitely. Instagram. I think we but. all remember where we were the first time <laughs> we saw Dan Bilzerian's Instagram. I remember. I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but just seeing it and being like, "This is this real?" I think and we, what's he doing? I think we take for granted like his um, influence on kind of the Instagram flex. Something that we how see. did he get there? He's just rich and he's an asshole. His dad so. is rich, I believe, and his dad. I feel like his dad sold like uh, missiles or something. Is he good at poker? Probably better than Jack and I. Definitely, he ten said times better in twenty sixteen that he would give up women, booze, and drugs if he became president. Wow. Would you guys give up women, booze, and drugs if you became president? Um, <laughs> I would not want to be president. I think only crazy people want to be president. I would do it, and if someone made that offer to me, maybe a sort of Faustian bargain. Um, yes, I will accept that deal. Women, drugs, and booze. Booze. I would just like work out a lot. Are you and, like, like <laughs> eat a lot of candy? Are you going cold turkey the first day of your presidency? Are you Ooh, like going? Imagine a president like kicking. Yeah. <laughs> so Daniel <laughs> shaking, giving his <laughs> or there. You guys don't actually know if he's good or not. I think he's solid. I think he's like a a good poker player. I think he plays in very high stakes games. Um and so he's playing in games that I can't play in. He was at the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, wow. Whoa. I didn't know that. Speak on that. He was at the Las Vegas shooting and he, he was ran like, to like his hotel room to get his gun or, or something. He was like at that festival? Wow. Emily breaking news. I do the research. I think you won a lot of money online um, during the poker boom before Black Friday. I'm pretty sure you won a lot of money. But I mean, can it, you explain what that is for our followers that are unfamiliar? So, the poker boom around when? When did MoneyMaker win? Two thousand four. So, were you guys playing? I remember I was going watching to on TV. Jack's house and watching. Like Daniel Negreanu get interviewed and then like watching The Little House. Chris Moneymaker. Before this was actually before the back house. It's before I yes, the back house. Everybody has a friend who either has a little garage or a garage or a shed that they turn into like a lounge, like with cable. Yeah, it's your it's the place to hang out. Right. My version of that was, as mentioned in the last episode, Nick J's Garage. There's two for two you, for talking about Nick J's Garage. Where you watch Entourage on Long Island. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's so, I love it. It makes you feel so old and, like, sneaky. Well, the poker boom was um, Chris Moneymaker was an everyman. Real name. Real name. That's his real name. And, I mean, the producers must have been just being, being like, wow, money from the sky. Mm-hmm. Moneymaker. He was an everyman. He's just like a, he a was, nobody. Uh, yeah, I guess he was an everyman. Yeah, he was like fat. He was a nobody. He wasn't good at it. He was like sort of good at he poker. Was so, and people were, wa- were watching and they realized like, holy shit, anyone can win 
life-changing money yeah he was so an was amateur he like a teacher like an engineer he was an am i, I actually listened to a, a podcast about this which is kind of funny being on a podcast talking about a podcast uh and he like he won all these internet tournaments and he had a chance of like either cashing out for like ten thousand dollars or something or getting a free ticket to the world series of poker and I, I think his dad or something was like, you should take this chance. Like, you already won this this opportunity. But he was a total amateur, and he went to the World Series of Poker, and he won, like, three Set. or So that inspired so many people that made, to, yeah. to play poker. You guys poker. remember this moment. That's, yeah. like, why people got into poker, because it was also the first um, World Series of Poker that was, like, broadcast on ESPN the first time they came up with the uh, whole cam which allows you to see the other players every player's cards yes which let's face it revolutionized poker broadcast definitely Um, are there bars that play poker in New York City on TV yeah occasionally you'll go to during the World Series sports bar at like 5 p.m. and it has Fox Sports and it's playing like Shark Cage. Yeah, some some weird poker show. Wow. Um, what yeah. were we going to say? What were well, you going to say about the poker Dan, boom? Dan Bilzerian was making yes. a lot of money online. D. Bilzerian. And um, poker was outlawed on a day that was infamously known as Black Friday, where mm-hmm. a lot of people's accounts were frozen overnight. Um. This was also tied to what year was it? You know, I was oh, nine really, yeah, or something. Oh, nine, yeah, so something it's like, like you thought two thousand eight was bad because <laughs> the stock, because of the real recession. Yeah, because of Bernie Madoff. You know, I think there Bernie was Bernie Madoff with a lot of money. That's what one I of the yeah. big <laughs> poker sites at the time. Um, was poker stars? No, not poker stars. Um was like kind of moving money around and people were with were depositing and they were paying that money to people who were withdrawing and then they kind of got caught up in this scheme and a bunch of people lost their money on Black Friday. When when yeah. the that sucks. I think that we should bring in somebody who lost their like everything <laughs> changed on Black Friday of poker. I, I think a lot of poker players did. I mean, you know, No, if you were I keeping- want like the guy. I want the guy or gal. I think there were many of guys and gals who like lost a lost lot of bank money. Rolls. You know, yeah. upwards of tens of thousands of dollars. Probably more but, for some. Yeah. Here's Easy. the thing. Yes. You go to any gambling town and there's all these like really sad things about poker taking people's lives and husbands and wives, like think people <laughs> ending. And yet the New York Times, the gray, the gray lady today published a piece called. Uh, it was called something like a letter of recommendation gambling by John Williams. Yeah. I mean, I would say the reason why Emily just spilled dip on her sock. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you can't plan, but uh-huh. she is. This is the kind of stuff money can't it. buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've only you guys were here to see this. Um, they, yeah, this was sort of an article in defense of gambling in general which you know let's face it people don't really look upon gambling so favorably although Mm -hmm. the tide is kind of turning with the legalization of sports gambling 
I don't feel that change in our world. Really? I think you guys probably feel it because you're tuned in, but like I can't tell that the world around me is changing. <laughs> well, <I've, laughs> you're just gonna look around one day, and people are gonna, you know, be betting on this, you know, Suns Bucks game, and just talking about it. And it's also it's already it's, happening. It's all happening on your phone. It's so easy to do, like at work, or you know, you can just like bet in. It's so easy to bet nowadays. So so easy to bet. So like you wouldn't notice it. It's not like, oh, I have to go to my bookie or I have to go to the sports book. Yeah, in it could person. just literally be happening yeah. next to you. It's, it really be like it's that. It's just like it's it's on your phone, so you, you really wouldn't see it in the same way. Totally. But it is happening. All right, but back to the story. Yeah. We've all pulled out our favorite parts of the story. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of a reading series. And for it's you a little guys. bit sad. Is it sad? Oh, I didn't think it was sad at all. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. Well, here's the quote that I pulled out that I actually thought was pretty sad. To gamble is to give up control. If fortune smiles on you, you can exercise humility in the face of good luck. And when more often it crushes you, you are forced to directly confront and maybe absorb and integrate how vain all our designs and efforts can be. Yes. I mean, it's sad in the way that, like, all of existence is sad because we have no control over anything that happens. But to me, I find, like, it's kind of beautiful. And a lot of this article is about, like, the value of losing when you gamble in a sort of existential, spiritual way. Like, Like you're human? You're human. You give yourself up, like, to the void. You give yourself up to a universe that you can't control. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people remind themselves day to day, like, I'm lucky, or, like, I'm just human, or, like, all these things that we repeat to ourselves. But why do we have to remind ourselves that we're human? Um, Do we have to remind ourselves that we're human? I do. I feel like I always have to tell myself I'm just human and I'm not saving the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's why you want to like make a terrible bet every now and then and be like, yeah, I, I, I fucked up. I when I was reading this, I felt that, um, to be human is almost wanting to control everything. So, the act of gambling is allowing us to step away from that, and. The loss of control is something that we seek because, you know, we constantly try to control our environments. We constantly control, like, our future, who we date, what our kids will look like, what we look like. (laughs) Can you control what your kids look like? Yeah, when you pick a partner. Um, Well, okay. You know, and... You me because you thought procreation, hearts in your eyes. That's not not what I I thought primarily but i'm you, sure there's saying, some some like primal part of me that does that thought but like i think when we gamble we're like truly stepping away from all of that in a way that is so freeing yes. because we by design as like a a species that's thriving sort of sort of um we're able to just like give up. You're giving yourself up. up to the void. Yeah. That is gambling. I'm flipping a coin. I have no idea if it'll land on heads or tails. This is might be the only time in my 
day, week, month, life. Yeah. When those instances like gambling, happen. first dates, sex, these are all times when people can just like give up and like let's see what happens. I would say it's not the only time in your life when it happens, Eric. I would say you're constantly gambling all the time. It, and it reminds us, yeah. But exactly. it's the only time when it's that pure. When it's and it's like, choice. You're, it's you're that much. You win or you lose on the flip of a coin. Yeah. And isn't that sort of what life is like? And there was a really good line about slots that I liked. I don't remember the line about slots. Or, yeah. When I was in Vegas, I won some money on slots. But you left out the best line at the end of that paragraph, which is something for nothing is a thrill. Nothing for something is a test. Which yeah. I really, uh, I, I thought spoke it was to you. beautiful. Yeah. I, I thought this was a really, I think, I thought it was really nice. It made gambling seem very human instead of like this dirty thing. And isn't yeah. being a human kind of a, kind of a dirty thing? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um. We're learning that right now with coronavirus. Oh, and that I'm glad you That's bring that true. up because Wait, cards are dirty. Cards are dirty and dips. chips are so chips. dirty. Chips are dirty. Poker dips chips might be the cleanest cleanest part of this podcast. I don't know. Like you think did about Did you see that video of Michael Bloomberg like licking his finger and it picking was up food? Disgusting. I did not see that video, but a lot of people are. But talking about talking about dips, I mean, what do we think about Double dipping. Well, just like dips in a world with coronavirus. Are we afraid of it? <laughs> Are we? Like, oh, if I, okay. not just double dipping, but like, you know, germs being spread. Are dips a hotbed of germs? I was thinking today because I was thinking about when you go to like the hot bars at Whole Food mm-hmm. and those are. Filthy. Yes. Do I care? No. No. Not at all. I love the hot bar. I love the idea of a dip. But, you know, people are saying, you know, don't kiss, don't handshake. Soft serve yogurt. Well, Soft serve. Sure. But, you know, as our norms shift, you know, we're not supposed to shake hands. We can't kiss on the che- The French aren't kissing on the cheek. So have many- you heard that? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> going on. Are we not supposed to have communal dips at parties? You, you know what? I think in the age of coronavirus, I think it sort of goes back to what we were just saying. Life's a gamble. What do you think? The and most it's intimate- worth it to me to try a dip at a party, even if I do get coronavirus from that, because someone else at the party has coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Did you go to Chipotle after the the Chipotle apocalypse? The uh, e. coli outbreak, that big one. No, that ended my relationship with Chipotle. Like, well, only because Chipotle's not even like worth Chipotle's not worth it. Yeah. That's not the gamble I want to make. Guys, what do you think the most intimate first date foods are? Intimate good or intimate bad or it's not really up that wasn't How is intimacy bad? Like, I don't know. If you intimacy like share scary. if you share a bowl of soup on a first date, that's weird. Yeah. But I could see like, like not it's cheap. Even intimate. Well, it's, it's just weird. Got your own soup. <laughs> um, so so you're saying a an item that is actually a good first date dinner that you guys she, are I believe she said the most intimate first date yeah. dinner. Probably like, I mean, it's kind of cliche, oysters, like... Oysters are sort of a romantic food, and it is sort of an experience that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess, I guess a dip. I don't know. I don't know if you do. People order dips as like appetizers in a restaurant. Yeah, I could see a, a first date guac. Okay. Yeah, guac. Yeah, first date guac for sure. That's not intimate. No, guac is quite casual. You don't like make eyes at each other. I over was guac. once at a Unless first date it in a like a fourteen person restaurant, and that felt like really intimate. But what foods did you get? It was like all splitting things. It was like all. There were, there were two of you. Two, yeah, and everything. <laughs> fourteen was like person date to be split. <laughs> I mean, uni. Yeah, any date. I mean, yeah. Fish. Ooh, I like uni a lot. I want to eat more of it. I was under 21, and we ordered wine, and I thought I was going to get arrested. Fortunately, you didn't. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe mussels. I think mussels are kind of... Raclette. Like, the one where they burn it with the torch and then yeah. put it... No, that's like... That's too... That's too clickbait to be intimate. You're taking a picture of that with your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Clickbait date. I don't know what an intimate food is, to be honest. I... Hand rolls. <laughs> <laughs> no, hand rolls are so personal. Or like Ethiopian. Very. Because they when we went to yeah. that Ethiopian restaurant, there's that tradition of you you tear some some uh of the bread and you grab some of the food and you're supposed to feed your partner. And it's You are? Yeah. It's yes. it's like uh nobody told me. It's a Custom, I don't know. It's yeah, a sign of respect. Yeah, and then we fed Michael, Eric's friend. Yeah, we oh, we all fed each other. Is that, that really bread? Yeah, and Jira is bread. Eh. It's more of a batter. It's a lentil bread. It's a crepe. What's yeah. the definition of bread? It you doesn't know? have to be leavened because unleavened bread is a thing. Flour and water make a bread. So anything could be a flour what these about? days. That's beautiful. Anything bread doesn't have be to be leavened. No, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be leavened. So bread is flour and water. Okay. What about a seed loaf? That's bread. Is there I flour agree. in it? Yeah. Okay. Not for everything. Okay. Eric, let's circle back to your dip, which I still don't really know what's in it or yeah. how yeah. you made it. Okay. So I started by roasting eggplants, and pe- various peppers. I just looked in my fridge. I had some red bell How? peppers mm. in an oven. Whoa. With um, a little olive oil and salt. Uh, some onions I also roasted and Can some I tomatoes. Something? Yeah. Did you pre-salt the eggplant and get the water out? No, I didn't. You've what had do- some eggplant disasters. What do we all think about that? Because I think cooking eggplant is sort of like hard to wrap your head around i Everyone would say rather well, do a lot of things than pre-salt cook eggplant it's just whoa so whoa. can i if i may finish the the recipe i don't well, mean to jump you, on your toes well this is twice strategy. it's twice cooked ah yeah and there the lead yeah okay. buried the i buried lead, the lead it is it is twice cooked it was first roasted and then um, after everything was roasted, I covered it. I like wrapped it up and I covered it. And then I took the skin off everything. Mm. When you like, you know, trap these vegetables in their heat, it's very easy to take the skin right off. 
So I, I removed the eggplant skin, I removed the pepper skin, I removed the tomato skin. And I didn't blend everything because it's like slightly chunky, but also slightly pasty. Yes. That's true. So I kind of diced it until it was somewhere in between uh, chunk and paste. You diced it like in the tray, like with a knife? Yeah. Like after you had roasted it? After I roasted it and I took off the skin, I kind of like chopped it up and that's why it has this consistency. I think if you were to buy this in a, you know, in a jar, it'd be blended. It's a little cleaner. No, no, no. It's definitely not blended. $11. It's not pureed. It's it has some chunk to it. It's a very rustic dip. Yeah. I would sell this for $11. That's so nice. After everything was chopped up, I sauteed some onions. I saw I sauteed the roasted onions. And then I threw Whoa. Um, saute and a roast everything else that was in the oven with some tomato paste in in a pan and i cooked that down and then um cooked that down for like 30 to 30 minutes ish a lot of labor went yeah. into this ikar labor of love ikar yeah. ikar Ikra. i love it Sorry. i i love it eric did a beautiful job it's good i mean the this is my first time making it, and I think that this podcast is about making dips for our friends, not serving dips, at least in this This is day. our first non-dairy dip. Can you clarify what that means? It means it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to go to go get a jar of, of a dip that I like. Oh, no. If, any, if anyone did that, we would be in, in podcast jail. We're cooking for, like, I made this dip for, yes, myself, but also Emily and Jack. And um, and for Dan Bilzerian. And for Dan. But this, it and just for like. the poker boom of 2004. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't really match up to what I think of when I eat ikra out of a jar. Like, huh. It's a little different, I have to say. I still really, really, really like this. But the jarred ikra is really good. It's really, really good. There's a sweetness to it and an eggplantiness to it, and it's not as bitter as this. It's like baba ganoush. It's in the same family, you definitely. Know? But the addition of tomato, um, I think, separates it from baba ganoush. Baba ganoush is pretty. Baba ganoush is purely eggplant, eggplant if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And also that smokiness that mm-hmm. you either get from maybe smoking eggplant or just like adding liquid smoke, which I think or a like lot of places Or like burning the hell do. out of it, yeah. No, I think this is really good. Like, I think I would serve this at any party and feel really proud of it. All right, I think we should have a party where we serve all of the dips we've I do too. Made. The one thing that I hate about dips at parties is I get like dip anxiety. Like if a dip's really good and I don't know if there's more in the kitchen, I get really anxious that I'm like, it's all going to go. But I thought about like a lot of dinner parties. Like if people do you guys get dinner party anxiety? Like you get scared that people are going to run out of stuff and you're not going to get as much as you want. Yeah, that's why I always eat before a dinner party. Mm. Oh, you're Maybe saying you have dinner party out. anxiety like you go and you don't think there'll be enough. Yes. As opposed to you not. Yes. Enough. Correct. Yeah, I feel that way. It's usually like wrong. I yeah, it's usually wrong. Usually do a good job and there's generally enough. So what do you guys think I'm going to make next week? 
I can only guess. Well, I'm going to try to make... My goal is to make something that just fucks Eric's stomach up yeah, as I much was, as I possibly Oh my God, can. I was I literally wait. about to say... Swiss cheese dip. Don't hold yeah. off. Do not hold off on the dairy for Cowboy me. fondue. Because that's something we Cowboy can talk caviar. about. Cowboy caviar. something yeah. we can talk about. That's just beans. How sick I'm getting. Are you getting sick? Not off this, but in no, general. No, no dairy in here. So guys, we're towards the end of our episode. The dip has been out. Yeah. All party. How does it fare from when it first came out? Well, it was really warm at first. It wasn't hot, but it, it was, was warm. And it's kind of come down to room temperature, but I think it's really good. Yeah. 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 It. So it's a dip that can last a party. It's a lovely mm-hmm. dip. I, yeah. I think it's, I think lukewarm, warm, piping hot, you know. Guess what? I eat this dip cold. It's really good cold. Do you think Kim Kardashian, fellow Armenian, eats ikra? I feel like she's definitely had ikra. Cause Kim, Is her mom Armenian? No, her dad. Robert. Yeah. Uh, All right. All right. We love you. Eric, that good dip. Guys, listen next week to hear me fuck Eric's stomach up. With yeah. And guys, make sure to review, comment, you know, subscribe, request subscribe, dips. and also request dips. Yeah, exactly. With us. Yeah, yeah, in the comments, subscribe, uh, request some dips. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.